At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, Wormer from Evo! Welcome to Love you, Las Vegas for Dos Casips with myself, Greg Eames Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family, a podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Blake Lovell. He does tremendous work over at Southeastern 14, and certainly we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at the SEC as I have not paid a lot of lip service this offseason to Vanderbilt. He is based out there in Nashville, Tennessee, so we're going to get a little bit of a lay of the land there. We also know that with the SEC, lots of second-year coaches are out there. I'm going to ask him about what to expect from these coaches from year number one to year number two. We're going to be taking a look at the fact that I personally also think that with the SEC, you've got a lot of very solid teams, but not necessarily that bona fide Final Four team. So we're going to get a little bit of a feel of the hierarchy in the SEC. And on top of that, with Blake, he is joining me for a lot of conference previews. And we're going to be talking about how to gauge these teams that are going from one conference to another. As you've got quite a few out there in the southeastern part of the country, obviously Conference USA and the American You've got a lot of teams like UAB that are moving conferences. Conference USA is just completely unrecognizable at this point. So how to be able to gauge these teams as well. So we're going to have a nice chat with Blake in segment number two. And in segment number one, we did see a few pieces of college basketball news of note. So we're going to be rounding those up. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gdn underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that five-star review. Getting a little bit more thin with the news and notes of college basketball. So we've been having shorter and shorter first segments. But we did see a entry into the transfer portal. Will McNair Jr., he was playing at Mississippi State and New Mexico State last few seasons last year. And Mississippi State at 6'11", he was very much a reserve and guy that really couldn't get off the bench, averaging 3.5 points, 3.5 rebounds per contest, was looking for a little bit of a new lease on life going over to Providence, but he has decided that he is going to be re-entering into the transfer portal. Very much a well-traveled gentleman that has never been an offensive juggernaut or anything like that. His best year came when New Mexico State knocked off UConn in the NCAA tournament two seasons ago. That 2021-22 campaign, six half points, five boards, did a very solid job as a defense-oriented guy, but has never really been too much of a shot blocker as well. So 
we shall see where his landing spot is going to be. And speaking of the northeast part of the country as well, this is big because with St. John's, they are one of those teams with a lot of moving parts and something that we've been touching upon on this podcast and something that we're going to be talking about with Blake in segment number two as well as these guys that are two-plus time transfers that they need waivers to be cleared and how much of a difficulty it is to know what we're going to be getting there. Well, a good way to be able to mitigate that is by being a graduate transfer. Graduate transfers, they're always immediately eligible. We did not know what was happening with Dennis Jenkins, but according to the one and only John Rothstein, it appears as though Dennis Jenkins is indeed a graduate transfer, and he is going to be good to go. Someone that Iona last season had very good success with, as we know, he knows the Rick Pitino system, so that is massive as well. He was able to put up right around four and a half assists per contest. Very solid scorer in his own right as well, being able to supply 15 and a half points per game from three-point range, shooting right around 36% from the outside, four and a half rebounds per game, really didn't turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot. Still is going to be a little bit of an up transfer, but knowing that St. John's is going to have him along Jordan Dingle in that backcourt, I think it make St. John's fans feel a little bit more secure about their team, and it just gives a little bit more, shall we say, a backbone with regards to this team as well. You know exactly where you're going to be able to get there. You know that Naheem Aline should be eligible as well, so there's some nice building blocks here for St. John's along with Joel Soriano, one of the best rebounders in all of college basketball, and a big geese that it certainly is going to be locked and loaded with so many moves being made in the offseason to elevate these teams, and even the teams that didn't make moves, like a Marquette, they have a lot of returning experience as well. I think that the Big East and the SEC are going to be right there, two and three, with regards to top conferences in all of college basketball, too. What is always that number one conference in the Big 12. We shall see if anyone's going to be coming for that throw in it. The SEC would like to be one of those conferences that does do so. We're going to be talking a lot about the SEC next with our good friend in Blake Lovely. He does great work over at Southeastern 14. We're going to give a little bit of love to Vanderbilt. We're going to be looking at these teams going through year number two with a new coach. What to be able to expect out of those teams like a Missouri, like a Mississippi State, Florida. You go down the list. We're going to be talking about all of them and taking a look at just a lay of the land with these teams that they are going to a new conference. That's up next right here on Coach Cousins with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now a part of the Mississippi Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 
21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by this man as Blake Lovell does a great job covering all things college basketball over there at Southeastern 14. As you can tell by the name, he does a great job covering all things SEC. And for those that are fans of SEC football, he certainly is going to be spending the next few months on that front doing a whole heck of a lot there. But you guys know that this is a man that has joined me for a lot of our mid-major uh, previews for more of those Southeastern conferences like the Southern Conference, the Atlantic Sun. This guy does a tremendous job following this game that we all know and love, and to be able to follow him on X. I actually got it right this time. At the Blake Lovell and Blake, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. I always appreciate having me on, Greg. Always appreciate it. And that last name spelled L-O-V-E-L-L. If you're looking on the old X, and if you're looking at the landscape of college basketball, just like Twitter has changed its name, well, the Big Ten now is going to have 18 teams next year, as we know, SEC it's not going to have 14 teams after this year. And I know you've talked about this with me a few times. You guys have yet to settle on the number because who knows what that's going to be a few months from now. So there's that. But how do you view these teams that are going to be coming to a new conference this year? Because a lot of people are focusing on the fact that the Pac-12 got dissolved over the last few weeks and the last few months. But as we know, the Big 12 added some teams for this year. It is going to be a little bit of a new-look conference, you say, a new-look American. And we have seen mixed results over the last few years with some of these teams that do join a new conference as it feels like it's been very feast or famine for a lot of these teams. Yeah, no, it has, Greg. Like you said, it's going to be very interesting just to see, again, with what the landscape looks like, like we talked about, it's just sort of, you know, as you're going to look at some of these conferences and just kind of see how this final year goes, you know, for teams in the Pac-12. And you, like you said, look at some other teams that are joining new conferences and seeing how they adjust. And it's one of those things where it's like, we thought the transfer portal was just going to be the big thing where it's like, okay, there's so much changing in terms of rosters year after year and all those other things but now it's like you're having to go into new conferences and Greg you you said it at the top you know we've done a lot of these mid-major previews over the years and one of the things we've always talked about when there was all the movement and for example let's say conferences like people in the OVC and people joining the Big West and other conferences like that there's a bit of a transition and we've seen some teams that maybe had a lot of success in other conferences come over and really just kind of hit that wall early on you know try to figure out exactly how to navigate this new league and 
Yeah, like we said, it's a little bit different going from power conference to power conference, those kind of things. But, you know, you start to see some of these other teams that are going to be playing and, you know, wherever the, the America and all these other different conferences, obviously, you know, how does an SMU or something like that adapt to an ACC in the future? All those different things. But it's wild just to kind of think about all the possibilities. But at the same time, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how certain schools adjust to new conferences. And you know, think about it, too, where there are going to be some schools where like, hey, we had a lot of success here for many years, but are you going to have that same success in another conference, especially if you're one that's taking a step up and those kind of things. So it'll be interesting to watch. It certainly is going to be interesting to watch, and we are going to be seeing teams with a little bit of a different style coming into some of these conferences as well as Blake Lovell, who does tremendous work over at Southeastern 14, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And I take a look at a team like North Texas, for example. Now, with Grant McCastle out of the fold, there's no way they could play a slower style than they did last year because they were about a full possession per game lower than any other team in all of college basketball. There's only up to go from there. But as we know out there in the American, that's a conference that has some teams that they like to play at warp speed, like your two lanes are going to be coming over with UAB, a team that they already have quite a bit of familiarity with. And then you've got your slower teams out there as well. How do you gauge some of these teams that they just play a completely different style than the other teams within the conference, because I think that that's a candidate for a team that could be successful right away, because with having a lot of teams within the conference that are, that are not used to going up against that style, they're seeing something different. I think that that's going to throw them for a total loop. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And that's where we talk about, again, just sort of adjustments and what you've seen and what you haven't seen before on a regular basis for teams that you're playing within the conference. And we've always talked about that, again, kind of going back to the mid-major teams, but it doesn't just apply to them. It applies to others as well we've said it about teams in the power conference if you can find a style that really works for you which you know i mean i'm sure one that most people would think of is the virginia type style which i know has been very polarizing over the years and those kind of things but you can't say that it hasn't been successful to the point to where it's won the national championship and so yeah i think definitely when you start to look at it too and like we said it's sort of the, the talent mix and everything especially when you have these lower you know conference type levels too and I'm not calling the American a lower conference, but compared to, you know, an SEC and Big Ten and all those kind of things, we're just looking at it from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think you can have a lot of success right away coming in with a pretty defined style, like you said. They just don't see a whole lot. And that's something that we've talked about it kind of in, in looking at some of these matchups before. It's easy to kind of look at it on paper or watch the film and say, hey, yeah, we can do this or that. But until you actually play against it for 40 minutes and those kind of things, like it's just it can be hard to prepare for. So uh, I think teams definitely with pretty defined and unique styles, whether that is a team that, that plays just a very, very slow pace or a team that comes out and it's going to take, you know, 43s a game, and those kind of things. Yeah, like it's the different mix of styles that you're going to have that I think makes it kind of fun to look at some of these possibilities with all this realignment because you are going to get some different styles playing each other that you, know, you just haven't got to see regularly over the years. And I mean, how jacked up for next year are we going to be to be able to get that classic Washington versus Rutgers rivalry because that <laughs> is what people have been clamoring for as well as Blake Lovell he does great work over at Southeastern 14 he is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops and certainly that is going to be interesting and what else is interesting for this year and I know that there's quite a few SEC teams that are going to be dealing with this and I know you've done quite a bit of work with regards to taking a look at SEC football as well and that'd be two-time transfers trying to be able to get waivers, 
We saw in college football, a lot of these guys, they were unable to get those, and that did affect a lot of college football teams. Are you expecting a little bit of the same for college basketball? And what teams do you take a look at that might be most effective? Because we were talking about the American being a little bit of a new look conference. Certainly, if Memphis does not get all of their guys eligible, that would be a little bit of an issue for them. In the SEC, the one team that really comes to mind for me is Ole Miss because they are made up of a lot of transfers with bringing in Chris Beard. He's done an amazing job bringing in the class, but you need some of those waivers to come through. But how do you take a look at this? And are there a few teams that come to mind that could be greatly hurt by this if they aren't able to get their guys out there on the floor? Yeah, you said the one I was going to bring up, Greg. It's like I feel like I've been talking about Ole Miss for months now where it's like, hey, I could pick Ole Miss as high as, you know, the top five in the conference, or if they don't get some of these two-time transfer guys, I'd probably pick them in the bottom four somewhere. And so it's just such a wide range you can have with that. I think it's certainly a situation, I'm probably guilty of this too, Greg, where it's like, over the years, we saw the NCAA very much approve anybody and everybody for any reason possible, it seemed. And it just became a point where you're like, they're going to approve any waiver that's out there. And there will be a way to get that approved. Now it's like, what was it? I think John Rothstein put the number out uh, several days ago. It was the NCAA or one of his reports that the NCAA only approved 18% for two-time transfers in all sports who tried to get immediate eligibility for this academic year. And so, I mean, that's a pretty low number. And, you know, when you really think about it from a basketball standpoint, it's significant, right? Especially if you're comparing football and basketball, because it's like, yeah, you got a lot of great players in football, but you just have a lot more players. And with basketball, you think about the impact that not having one or two guys, like we said, to use Ole Miss as an example, if you don't get one of those guys eligible, that's a significant impact on that team at that position or whatever. It's going to be interesting. Like I'm very curious to see if we see any of these kind of high-profile type guys get approved and that kind of stuff, because if they don't, it's a huge impact basketball-wise just because you have less numbers. You know, Like I said, that 18% is pretty low compared to probably what I would have thought where it's just the trend of the NCAA over the years where it's like, all right, they'll find a way to approve this waiver and that waiver. It doesn't sound like that may be the case for some of these guys. Yeah, the NCAA has certainly been cracking down, and I know that they weren't going to accept waivers just because a coach got replaced, which personally is something I disagree with just a little (laughs) bit, but we shall see what is going to be happening on that front. And just with the SEC in general, I do feel like it's going to be a very competitive conference this year, but as we've been talking about a little bit as well, it doesn't feel like there's necessarily that bona fide Final Four team. I'm feeling more and more bullish on Kentucky by the day, but at the same time, I think that they're a team that they've got a wide range of outcomes. Certainly the likes of Tennessee, Alabama, the team that I really like in this conference is Auburn, personally. I think that they're going to be in for solid years, but it feels like after you're really your big four, your big five, there's then your teams are sort of fringe NCAA tournament teams. And then South Carolina, I still think, is going to be the caboose with regards to this conference, unfortunately. But how do you view just the SEC hierarchy as of right now? Because certainly what happens with Ole Miss is going to be affecting it a little bit. But I do feel like it's a little bit of a tiered system in which I forgot about Texas A&M the first time around. They're certainly going to be a force as well. Yeah, I think you've got a pretty clear divide in terms of after, like you said, those first five or so teams. As of right now, I'd probably put Tennessee at the top. Now, can Tennessee get to the Final Four? A lot of that to me will be dependent on, you know, what we see from Zakai Ziegler coming back from injury and those things. But with Ziegler, Vescovia, and James, that's an experienced trio that you're just, you don't see anywhere else in the SEC when you look at these rosters. And then you've got, you know, several breakout candidates there with them. So I think when you look at that group, you mentioned Kentucky, 
Alabama, A&M, you know, Arkansas, as usual, Buzz has got a lot of great transfers there. It's just a matter of seeing how the chemistry and everything comes together. Auburn. So yeah, after those first five, six teams, something like that, then I think you've got those teams where you look at it and you're like, all right, can Missouri keep this thing going under our guy Dennis Gates here, Greg? Because coming into last season, you've always been high on him, what he did at Cleveland State. They certainly exceeded expectations of 25 wins last year. This roster is different. Can they keep that same momentum going without a Kobe Brown, without a Des Moines Hodge? And those kind of guys. I have full confidence in Dennis Gates to be able to keep things going. Can they keep it going to that extent? We'll see. Vanderbilt, right? Finished strong to finish the season. You know, got a great backcourt, but how are they going to be able to do things now without a Liam Robbins on the floor? And can they just continue to kind of do the same thing? Because if you compare their roster, you may not be as wowed on paper as you are the other teams we mentioned near the top, but you kind of put that confidence in Jerry Stackhouse now to kind of keep this thing going. And then, you know, you've got those other teams, like you said, Greg, what happens with an Ole Miss with waivers? I think Florida and Mississippi State are two teams with a lot to prove. I think they both had great off seasons. Yeah, it's really just seeing kind of what does that upper tier wind up looking like? Who are those teams that maybe are that Missouri of last year where you have a team that just kind of really pops up? I think that could be a Mississippi State who still got to the NCAA tournament last year, but they only won eight games in the conference. I think they could take a huge jump as usual. It's always the question. Could any of those bottom four teams make a big jump, that's all going to be dependent, I think, on Ole Miss, who, with or without a couple of those guys, will probably still be better than they were last year, I think, but they could take a huge jump if they were to get multiple of those two-time waiver guys ready because I think that could catapult them into that NCAA tournament conversation for sure. And I am so glad that you mentioned Florida as well because with the SEC, we remember last offseason, there were six head coaching changes. There was only one this offseason with bringing in Chris Beard, which he's going to be able to get Ole Miss online. It might take a year longer than expected with those waivers, but certainly I do think that there's going to be upward momentum there. But I think how these guys perform in year two is a big question because with Florida, there was a lot of hype around them, and then things just sort of went out of control when Colin Castleton went out towards back half last season. Mississippi State, a little bit of an overachieving team, and I think that they can really build something up with the fact that they did add some three-point shooting with Andrew Taylor and company during the offseason there. As I was alluding to, South Carolina, that's a long rebuild, so you certainly have your issues there. But I take a look at those year-two coaches in the SEC, and they might be the biggest wild cards in this conference. I think Todd Golden would tell you that was not what they wanted last year in year one. And when you do have a player like Colin Castleton, and like we said, the injury certainly played a role down the stretch in terms of how they could finish and those kind of things, whether that they went two and five down the stretch without him. I think it's just one of those things where, though, they've really identified the shooting. And that's the we always say, Greg, it's like every year, we're like, boy, the SEC just can't shoot. And it seems like Ford is one of those teams that really went out identified that, you know, they've got some guys coming in and really help them. Riley Kugel to me is like, I mean, he is a star in the making. And I think it's just a matter of seeing the next phase, you know, of his game and how it develops in the system. But I think Florida should be really good. And like you said, so many kind of second year coaches. And the thing is, right, like Mike White's not a second year coach. I mean, he's been around as we know, but it'll be a second year at Georgia. They overachieved last year, winning 16 games. I think this roster is probably better than the one he had last year. The problem is you're just trying to find who are they going to jump. And I think that's where we kind of see if maybe this is where we just keep seeing that Mike White can be pretty consistent, even if he couldn't get to that upper tier at Florida 
regularly. He still did a lot for one season, Georgia. And then I think then you're just really looking at, like you said, it, we knew it'd be a long rebuild. For Lamont Paris, South Carolina, I think he started further behind than anybody just in terms of everything and where the roster was and those kind of things. But I mean, too, Greg, I mean, there's no doubt LSU was pretty disappointing too. When they started 12-1, and one, I don't think the expectation was they would finish 14 and 19, but that's exactly what happened. I think they are kind of out on a mission too. When you look at the roster they put together, I'm very optimistic that LSU can take a big jump this season, pick up Jordan Wright, you know, a very talented player. They've got a good roster. And again, it's just who are they going to jump in this league, right? And so we'll see what happens with those second year guys. Like I mentioned, I just think that there's a lot of guys, whether it's Gates, whether it's Golden, Jans and so forth. They have a lot of potential there in terms of how they built their rosters. It's just, man, you look up at the top, Greg, and we always talk about it. The hierarchy of coaches at the top of the SEC regularly. It's Rick Barnes, it's Buzz Williams, Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, Bruce Pearl. Like you just keep going down the list. John Calipari, it's hard to jump that group. Some years it'll happen, some years it won't, but this is not an easy league to win in consistently. So we'll see if any of those guys can kind of join Dennis Gates up there higher in the pecking order this season. And do you think that it could be a guy that is not in year number two, but a guy that has been around the SEC a little bit and a guy that's up there in your neck of the woods in Nashville in Jerry Sackhouse? Because with Vanderbilt, I was thoroughly impressed with how they played without Liam Robbins last season. It was a heart and soul piece for them last year. They were able to win on the road against Kentucky. Their transfer portal class, not too bad. Bringing in Van Allen Lubin, I think, is going to be solved from Notre Dame. Evan Taylor is someone I liked at Lehigh, but... Vanderbilt just feels like the forgotten team in this conference, maybe because the football program has not really been able to get things rolling. But I take a look at Vanderbilt, and I think that they're a sneaky team that might be hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I mean, the thing we've seen is the guys that play for Vanderbilt and the guys who kind of make that rotation, I think the theme, while Jerry Stackhouse has been there for four seasons, is that they get better. Like, they do a really good job. I think they're one of the best in the conference in terms of just developing the players that they have. They're not, you know, maybe out winning recruiting battles for five-star guys and those kind of things, but they develop the guys they have. Again, that's kind of led them to making that jump they made last year. And let's be honest, Greg, they're going to go into the season this year with one of the best backcourts in the SEC, with Ezra Manion and Tyron Lawrence. Like, those two guys we saw last year take a huge step forward. And I think having those two guys back – is significant. Even if you don't have Liam Robbins, even if you don't have Jordan Wright, that's something you build on is what you have with those two guys. And then it's really just seeing the guys that were younger last year. And the one I kind of look at is a guy like Colin Smith, who just seems like that prototypical, Jerry Stackhouse is going to develop this guy into like the next guy, right? And it seems like that's kind of the roster they have here. Like you said, some solid pieces, I think, across the board and seeing how some of these younger guys develop I think you just again put the trust in what they're doing here because if you just look at the trajectory of things three conference wins in year one three conference wins in year two seven in year three eleven in year four certainly I think had a decent case to be in the NCAA tournament conversation last year with the way they finished but I really think that Vanderbilt's a team that you kind of no longer can sleep on just because even if you look at the roster and don't feel like it stacks up exactly to the teams that you're going to pick one, two, three, or one through five, Vanderbilt's kind of proven they can hang with anybody. If Jerry Stackhouse can keep that going, it'll lead to more success, and they'll be the team that maybe for a, however many seconds straight year we talk about is kind of the sleeper maybe in the SEC. Yep, I do think that this is a bunch that's going to be so interesting to gauge them because they've had so many moving parts over the last few years, and if Vanderbilt can just stay away from the injuries, this goes all the way back to the days of Darius Garland and company. I do think that there is something to be had there. And Blake, I know there's always something to be had whenever you join this show because you do an amazing job 
taking a look at this game that we all know and love. So let the good people at home know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, like you said, Greg, if you want the SEC stuff, you can find us on YouTube at Southeastern 14. Name will be changed at some point soon once we figure out how many teams are going to be in the conference moving forward. But yeah, all my college basketball stuff will uh, be tweeting away, I'm sure. As we get closer to the start of the season, you can uh, follow me on X or Twitter, Greg, whichever one prefer to say, at the Blake level. Blake does an incredible job taking a look at the game of college basketball, holding it down out there in the southeastern part of the country, but does a great job following just the entirety of the game. A big thanks to Blake for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Heaps, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Heaps, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you can fire those in one of two ways. First one is my X timeline at GNNR's 41. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review, and I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, as I was alluding to in segment number one, with player movement really done, we're going to be looking at just previewing a lot more of these teams. We're through, I believe, 20 conference previews. The SWAC and the Sun Belt should be coming up within the next seven days, maybe a tad bit longer on the Sun Belt, but those are on the horizon. Then we get the West Coast Conference, the WCC, and then into the Power Conferences. So we are getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. It is going to be a great one, and I'll be with you guys every single day before then, and then once we get in season, fix and analysis on every single game every single day. So appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.